everyone. Thanks for checking out the Citizens Podcast. We are the high school student ministry at Maranatha Bible Church, and we meet on Sundays at 11 a.m. in the student wing. If you enjoy this podcast, we would love it if you posted it on your Instagram story and tag at NBC Citizens. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy. So we are continuing our series on the fruit of the spirit. We have four more series or four more Sundays that we're going to be covering. And I know that it's been lengthy and at times repetitive, but there is a reason why we're doing this. I personally don't remember uh, the last time I studied the, the fruit of the Spirit and looked at every single thing individually, let alone taught it. So I think that as Christians, we should be studying what is, what is the importance or looking at the importance of what the fruit of the Spirit is. And that's what we've been doing, and that's what we're going to be continuing doing. So just to refresh our mind in case you have forgotten or in case you're new here today, we're going to be in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verse 16. And, I'm, and the verses will be on the screen. But I'm going to read to you the passage just to bring us into the context as to why we should be producing the fruit of the Spirit. And he says this in the verse 16, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will, say, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. This is how you know whether you're producing the fruit of the Spirit or if you're not. This is what you're, it is evident in your life. Sexual, immura, immolar, <clears throat> sexual immorality. First try. Impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like this. These are what you are producing if you're not following or if you're not being led by the Spirit. And then he says, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So you have to recognize that if, this, if those are the things that you're producing, if that is what your life is all about, if your life could be characterized under one of those things, then beg the question is, are you truly a Christian? Are you truly saved? Have you ever believed in the message of the gospel? Because if you have believe in the message of the gospel. If you believe that God sent his son to die for your sin and three days later he rose from the dead, if you believe in that message, then it says here in verse 22, but the fruit of the spirit, which you being led by the spirit, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such things there is no law. And we'll stop right there, but today we're going to be looking at this idea of goodness. What is goodness? And here's the thing when we're talking about goodness. There are some similarities between goodness and kindness, which we just covered last week. Kindness being this, this internal recognition or desire to look at other people's needs, to see what other people are struggling, and this, having this emotional, uh, at the same time, a feeling, feeling of responsibility to do something about it. That is what kindness is. We talk about how God is the perfect example of someone that displayed kindness to us, and that while you and I were sinners, he still sent his son to die on the cross. And we talk about how you and me, as someone that have received this kindness, we should be expert as to how we should reciprocate this to others. But what is goodness? So I like what my boy uh, uh, Terry, uh, Jerry Bridges, uh, the way he puts this, he puts it this way. Kindness is a sincere desire for the happiness of others. 
Kindness is this internal desire to see that people are taken care of, that people are happy, that they're truly happy. It's this recognition that there's something that you need to do about it. Whereas goodness, it is the active activity calculated to advance that happiness. So whereas kindness, it is the recognition and, and, being, and, and being sensitive to the needs of others. Goodness is to actually take action into those things by words and deeds. So you see how the two go together. So you cannot produce goodness if you have no kindness. And this is why, and even in the passage, I believe that Paul puts goodness after kindness because you cannot produce goodness if you have no kindness in your heart, which is so important to recognize those two distinctions. So today we have to talk about areas of struggles. Because if we are to produce kindness, we have to be sensitive and we, have been able, we need to be able to recognize that people are indeed struggling. Some of you are struggling today. Some of you have, all of us have struggled in a point in our life and will struggle at a point in our life. So we all could tell with the idea, or could all relate to the idea of struggle. But there are three areas that you can summarize every struggle. You can summarize it by putting it in the category of emotional struggle, which is this one where maybe you're dealing with anxiety, de- depression, stress, doubts, uh, your, your feelings are hurt, like everything that relates to emotions, you can put it on this category. Sin, having the, dealing with the emotions of sin, you, you, you can put it on this category of emotions. The next one is the category of uh, physical, physical struggle. And that could go from, you know, you're struggling financially, you're struggling with your self-worth, you don't like the way that your physique, that the way you look, you don't like the, you don't, you're struggling with relationships, maybe it's between your friends, maybe it's a relationship between your boyfriend and your girlfriend, maybe it's a relationship with your parents, with your cousins, whoever it is, you, this is all of these things will fall on these two categories. And then the third one, which we all have, is a spiritual struggle. First of all, if you do not have Jesus as your Savior, if you have never believed in the message of the gospel, then you alone are struggling with this one right here. You're struggling because sin is that one thing that separates us from God. And when sin is not dealt with, it means that there's a division between you and God. And so just that alone is that you have that struggle. But even after you believe in the message of the gospel, you can still struggle spiritually. And the way you can struggle spiritually is by you not having any care about what the Bible says. You can struggle spiritually because sin is what's reigning in your life. It is the only thing that is evident in you is sin. You can struggle with it because you're coming to doubting. You go through seasons of your life where you're experiencing things that you don't know how to deal with. And instead of pushing closer to God, you're pushed further from God. And you're doubting, you have disbelief, you have all of these different things. And so you see that every single people will land on these three things. Now, when it comes to struggles, I'm going to introduce to you guys something that some of you have never seen in your entire life, which is a, a, a mousetrap, right? Who has seen a mousetrap before? All right, if you haven't, then good for you. Uh, I actually just killed a mouse the other day, and I felt very manly. I felt like I accomplished. I'm not going to lie. I jumped, and I was like chasing my, you know, going like this because I was a beast. Anyways, um, mousetrap. Also, I'm not going to joke. I'm not going to lie. I did uh, snap my finger three times this morning, and it actually hurt. So 
Uh, but mousetrap, this is something that you, it's designed to kill a mouse, and it really does. I mean, if you use one of this, this is not so cheap, but it is crazy how when a mouse comes, when, when it's being lured and trapped, or when it's being lured to by something that you put here, typically I put uh, peanut butter because whatever, for whatever reason, they like peanut butter, they come and this thing will snap, them and immediately they will die. It's crazy how powerful it is. Now, here's the thing. If life was a, uh, life was a, a, a mousetrap, and I'm going to try not to uh, hurt, because uh, like I said, it really does hurt. I should have had Nathan, Nathan Egbert do this. All right, so if he, first try. So when you see a mousetrap and he said like that, right, you, you, if you really care about people, if you, and by the way, we're going to call this Ethan Bauer. This is going to be Ethan Bauer. Uh, we're, it looks like him. If you put it next to each other, come, Ethan, come here real quick. No, actually, don't come. But this is Ethan Bauer. Uh, when you see someone walking, if life was a trap, right, and you see them walking towards a trap, you wouldn't just stand ill and do nothing about it, right? If you, especially if you have kindness in your heart, if you truly care about people, if you truly have experienced the kindness that God has displayed in your heart, uh, in your life, but the fact that even though you were sinning, even though you deserve to be condemned, he's still sending his son to die on the cross. If that is true what you have experienced, and you know that you have a role to reciprocate, you wouldn't just stand ill when you see our boy uh, Ethan just walk into the trap, and get a trap, right? You wouldn't just say it's chill or ill like that. Let alone, if you see him already trapped, you wouldn't just do nothing about that, right? If you truly care about Ethan, our boy Ethan right here, if you truly care about people, you will do whatever it takes to, to come alongside and care for them. Kindness is recognizing the needs and, the, and being sensitive to the things that people are dealing with. People that we have talked about are struggling, whether it's spiritually physically or emotionally. Some of you today are dealing with one of those three, if not even all three. And the reality is as Christians that we're to produce the fruit of the Spirit, we have to go from kindness into goodness, which is the ability to come alongside the people that are struggling and do what we can to help them get out of that way. Now here's the thing. If you ever play sport and you're passionate about the sport that you're playing, there's nothing worse than being, in the, than being put on the bench. If you play baseball, if you play basketball, you will hate to sit on the bench. If you truly do love the sport, if you truly are playing it to have fun and because you wanted to compete, there's nothing worse than when the coach, the coach comes to you and tells you, you're going to sit on the bench today. But in Christianity, which is something that we're supposed to care, that we're supposed to love, that we're supposed to be passionate about, that is not really how we tend to deal there's an aspect of us that really like to be bench warmers. And here's why. There's a couple reasons as to why we like to be bench warmers. Number one, we like to be bench warmers because there's no kindness in our heart. Let's start, let's start with that. Either you have not believed in the message of the gospel, so you don't have any kindness to give because you haven't received it yourself, or you are so self-centered that all you care about is you. Lives, your life, the world revolves around you. So there's no way for you to show kindness. There's no way for you to recognize to the needs of others because all that you're looking is yourself. And that is one of the major reasons why people are not producing the fruit of goodness. Because they're so self-centered that all they care about is themselves. 
There's some of you that may be that way here, so some of you, you certainly know somebody that is like that. That they're so self-focused that there's no way that they can take their time to look at the needs of others. Number two, you think, and I think, that someone else will do it. It is someone else's responsibility. We see our boy ben, or, uh, Benny, Benny too. We see our boy Ethan struggling right here, and instead of coming alongside him and trying to help him, we say to ourselves, no, that's the job for somebody else. Somebody else can do that instead of me. Someone else is more experienced. Someone else may have the right things to say. Someone else may know how to do the proper way of doing it. I don't have the time. Someone else is as a responsibility. They know, I don't even know that person. And we go on this list of things as to why you and I are not the responsible to do those things. Whereas if kindness is truly recognizing the need of people and, and goodness is to go from the, from the recognition to action, then why are we not acting is the question that we should be asking. So you see real quick how when we, don't, when, when we think that someone else will do it, we just stand ill and we sit on the benches. Number three is that we don't like the person or we, do, or, or we have been hurt by the person. You don't like the person that, that is currently struggling in an emotional way, physical way, spiritual way you recognize it you see that they're struggling but you don't want to do anything about it because you don't really like the person or you are being hurt by the person so in your mind you're reasoning or you're arguing with yourself saying you know what it maybe it's good for them to be dealing with those things which leads us to number four we get excited or we are happy that they are struggling you see that someone that has hurt you that you don't like and they're currently struggling on those three areas and instead of doing something, you're telling yourself they got it coming. They deserve that. I'm glad that they're suffering. I'm glad, I'm glad that they're trapped. I'm glad that they're hurting. I'm glad that they're having a hard time. And you may not say it like that, but by your actions, you're basically, you're basically saying that. When you stand ill and you say, you know what, maybe they had it coming. You know what, I'm not going to do nothing because maybe they'll learn this time around. And you quickly get excited by people's sufferings and by people's struggles. And number five, and I think this is, this is too, one of the biggest ones, is that we like equal contrib- contribution. And here's what this means. I'm only going to do to you what you do for me. So if you love me 20%, I'm only going to love you 20%. If you hate me 50%, I'm going to hate you 50%. If I'm going to care for you, if I'm going to show you goodness, I'm going to do it to the extent that you do it to me. How amazing and how, you know, incredible it is the fact that God didn't deal with you and me in that way. That his love for you and his love for me or his goodness for you and his goodness for me was not determined by our commitment to him. Just on today alone, imagine how your relationship with God will be by the way you have dealt with him today. It will be very miserable. If we got what we deserve, life will be miserable. But his goodness is not based on how good we are towards him. His goodness is 100% in, even if we're only 1% in, or if we are not even not even a percent in. But the reality is, though, that as Christians, we do like to put numbers into how we invest in, into other people. We show goodness based on how goodness is shown to us. But that is not what the fruit of goodness is. We are to do it 100% all the time, regardless of people doing it whatever percent, which lead us to understanding goodness. Now, to understand goodness, you have to understand goodness is self-sacrificing 
and sorry, Ethan, sacrificing and relentless. Here's what it means. It means that goodness, when you recognize the need of people, when you recognize and you're sensitive to what people are wrestling with, you are willing to sacrifice yourself, to put yourself aside, to sacrifice time, money, effort, whatever it needs to sacrifice for the sake of them. To be able to come alongside and help them in the areas of struggle. But not only that, it is relentless in that it never gets tired. It doesn't matter how much that person goes back into the struggle. It doesn't matter how many times they have hurt you. It doesn't matter how many times they have done things to you. You're willing to go the extreme because that is what you've been called to do. If you're truly led by the Spirit, you are going to produce goodness. And a good example of this, I think, is found in the book of Luke Chapter 23, verse 2034. And in context right here, Jesus is going, to the, is, is going to the cross. He's already doing the very thing that, he, that, 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 that the, the very thing that you and I have a reason to worship him. The very reason why you and I are able to have a relationship with God again. But that journey of the cross, if you remember from Easter, was not an Easter journey. It was an excruciating journey that required a lot of sacrifice. That God himself will send his son for your place, in, my, in your place, in my place, for your mistakes, for my mistakes. And so that through his sacrifice, we could experience eternal life. But this Journey requires sacrifice, and Jesus was willing to do it all. And despite the fact that you were going to fail him, despite the fact that you were going to ignore him, to deny him, to betray him, to do all of the things that you and I do, do in, at times on a daily basis, he was still willing to do it in a way that was relentless, that he don't, it didn't matter what came his way. He was going to do it because of the love for you and me. And I love in the story because that alone that he did was enough. But if you read here in the verse, you see that he did not stop. It was not enough. He displayed once again the goodness for us. And he says this in the book of Luke. He says this in verse uh, 34. I'm going to read from verse 30, 32. Two others who were criminals were led away to put by the dead to, with him. And when they came to the place that is called the school, they, there they crucify him, and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. If you read the other passage, you can see that when this was happening, not only he was being crucified, he was being, uh, uh, he was being made fun of, people were are, are, are like mocking him, cursing him, and all of these things. And look what he says in verse 34. And Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This is a great example of what goodness is. A goodness is self-sacrificing, and it is relentless. Then while the same people that he was there to die for were the ones that were beating him, that were making fun of him, that were cursing at him, that were calling him names, that were ignoring him, those same peoples that he was dying for, regardless of that, he's even pleading before the Father and saying, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. That is goodness. Goodness is self-sacrificing, and it is relentless. Now, here's the thing about goodness. We are not, we don't display goodness because of what we can get or because of the blessings that we, or, or, or the blessings that we can get or receive. We do it because we recognize the grace or the goodness that was first displayed on you, and because of kindness, when you see that there's something that needs to be done, goodness is what takes you into doing that. Because you recognize 
that you have a role to play where you have to reciprocate the goodness to others. When you see someone struggling, when you see someone that is dealing with uh, struggles emotionally, physically, or spiritually, you don't stand ill. You don't stand on the sidelines. You're not a bench warmer. You step up to the call because you recognize that the goodness that has been displayed to you by God is the same goodness that you ought to produce for others. There is no way around it. We don't add on goodness for our benefit or to make us feel better. We do it because we understand that the same love and care given to us needs to be reciprocated. And we end with this. Jesus died to redeem and to mend the broken relationship that you and I had with God. Without, God's, without Jesus' goodness, you and I wouldn't be able to function the way that we were designed to function. We won't be able to live the life that we were meant to live. Because through Jesus and the fact that through his sacrifice we can experience uh, redemption, we can experience God restoring our relationship with the Father when you believe in the message, that is the only way that we can live life to the way that we're supposed to live it. But that goodness that was displayed on the cross is the goodness that we have been called to produce as Christians. And so I love this passage here in the book of Galatians 2.10. We have read it before, but I'll read it again. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. Stop there. You and I, if you have believed in the message of God, or in the message of the gospel, we have been created in Christ to be able to do good works. It is within you. You are capable to produce the good works within you if you have believed the message of the gospel. This means that there is no excuses as to why you will want to sit on the bench on the bench. There's no reason why you are not capable to produce the fruit of the Spirit. There is no excuses, no way for you to, to, to get your hands clean and say, I couldn't do anything. It's not my role. I don't like him or whatever excuse you want to use. There's no way for you to do that. And then he says this, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Not only you have been created to do good works, but you also have been predestined before the, end of, before, before the beginning of time that you will walk on them. There are going to be opportunities in your life. There are going to be things that you will come across in your life where you will recognize if you truly have experienced kindness in your life, you will see the needs and the, the needs of others. You will recognize it, but you also will be sensitive to those things. And that is what will produce in you a desire to do something about it. If you truly have experienced kindness, then you truly will want to produce goodness. And so the question that I want to leave you today with as we get done is, how long will it take for you to take on your calling to produce goodness? How long will it take? We've been told in Ephesians that not only you have been created, but God has presented in your path, in your journey, there's going to be numerous of opportunities where you can show goodness, where you can be self-sacrificing and relentless to help those that are struggling. How long will it take? How long will it take for you to step up? Would it be when you're 30s? I'm going to be 30 this year, rest in peace. Um, will it be when, when you're a grandpa, grandma? How long will it take? The, the, the only a probable or the only a, a, a correct answer to this question should be today. Today is what's going to take for me to produce goodness. Today is the day that I will let the Spirit of God lead me into caring for the needs of others, recognizing the same love that was first displayed on you is the love that you are to display others. The Bible tells us, 
that no one said no one can love the father if you don't love the brother is what it tells you in the book of John first John it talks about the love of God and says he who says that love God but hates his brother does not love God in a great in a great way to love people is by portraying goodness towards them how long will it take for you to step up from the from the bench to recognize your role and produce goodness the way that you're supposed to do let's pray Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the fact that uh, you're great and you display goodness to us even when we didn't deserve it. That even in the example that we read in Luke, that even as people were mocking you, hurting you, and doing all those things, Lord, you, you took time from your pain, your suffering, to even beg for them and ask the Father to forgive them because they didn't know what they were doing. And Father, at times we don't know what we're doing, Lord, but there are other times that we do know well what we're doing, Lord. We do know well that we're standing on the side. We do know well that there are things that we can do and we choose not to do, Lord. And so we pray that you forgive us for those, but also that you will help us in being intentional in producing the fruit of the goodness, that we will be show goodness to others in a way that is self-sacrificing, but also, Lord, relentless in that it doesn't matter what happened, doesn't matter how to deal with us, we will do it because it is what we've been called to do. We pray this, Lord, in your name. Amen. Thank you so much for coming, guys. Good morning and city.